Hello, 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 people. Yes, Dr. Time is here. Professor X is in the building. What did happen, my people? I did, I did. No shaking, man. How far? What's happening? What's happening? We've got Master L. What you saying, bro? Yeah, welcome, people. Uh, let's get back in the kitchen. It's going to be hot today. Yes, man. The frying pan is like pouring the oil all over the place. Come on. So, as, yes, as the yes, sun, just yes. the ball like this, we just the barbecue, man. The cold, the hot, everything. Oh. Just the, we, we are ready. We are ready. Maybe we cook now. Maybe yeah, we... yeah, fle- yeah, flexing. So let, ah. let's, let's, go, let's get straight into this, man. So yeah, we, we, we know what's currently happening globally. And yeah, we thought yeah. we might as well just, just have this conversation straight out. Right now, I just personally think, like you said, we've kind of looked at this topic and we kind of thought, okay, when is enough enough? Or do we just say enough is enough? What exactly is happening? And I'll tell you, look, from my perspective, mm. I feel like things have been going on for just too long. Mm-hmm. And personally, I'm at that stage where I feel like enough is actually enough. Now, that might not be the phase for anyone else and how mm-hmm. other people feel, mm-hmm. but you can't have a series of events that has been going on for quite a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. taken up until now for someone to be able to say, actually, this is a problem. Do you know what I mean? So let me just run through the background before we get straight into this. So firstly, on the back of what's actually causing this. So we've got a guy called George Floyd, right? Rest in who peace. Yeah. rest in peace to him yeah and his family you know bless yeah. you guys and i hope you get through this you know period and that basically what was said was my man goes into a store mm. with counterfeit money this is what's going around but this has only occurred because he's been impacted by the whole covid situation uh-huh. so this is a man who was going through rehabilitation because of his past but moved to an area gotten a job but as a result of COVID-19, you know, got laid off. So uh-huh. obviously at some point money gets tight in it. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. they said this is what he's gone into. And anyway, this all leads up until the actual event, which went up on social media, seeing that he was restrained with force by a police officer putting a knee to his neck whilst he was lying down. And it wasn't just one police officer. You had a few more. There's four of them, isn't it? So you have three at the back and you had this other guy. Uh So now, anyway, with this, after the event of that happening, he dies in the hospital. Um, I think they said something like nine minutes later or something like that. During this event, you had people, whilst videoing this stuff, asking these officers to stop. And they wouldn't stop, right? And I don't know if anyone's ever experienced, you know, if you're into martial art and stuff, that if someone had to put a knee to your neck for you to lose your life, bro, it is going to be one of the most painful and excruciating pain you could actually, it's probably better being knocked out because you don't feel anything when you're getting knocked out. This is your getting oxygen being taken away from your system slowly, Uh right? Whether the officer actually meant or didn't mean that this was going to lead to death, or he actually knew that this is what he's actually doing. But from what we've seen so far, the intention is real. Let's examine what you just said, right? Because I want to be very clear for the people that are listening to this. Yeah, Assuming George, who hasn't been convicted of a crime, at hand at very least, was on death row. Yeah, 
let's assume he was convicted and placed on an execution sentence, which is life without the possibility and then the prospect of being executed at some point, unless he's given some kind of pardon by a governor, right? Where he would be executed by, if it was back in the day, electric shock to the scalp or currently lethal injection. At one point, they used to administer lethal gas. In all circumstances, as Dr. Tami has just said, they would have been knocked out in the process and then their life would have been extinguished, right? That's assuming they had been convicted and that sentence had been passed down and rendered by some kind of quote-unquote lawful court of the land, right? We're in a circumstance where the judge and the jury and the executioner has been bypassed and what they've deemed to be a lawful and humane execution method has also been bypassed. But the outcome is the same. He died at the hands of another human being. He was knocked out beforehand. It wasn't, let's consider his feelings and what we deem to be a humane activity before we pass the sentence. It's, let's just do a thing and keep pushing until something breaks. And then something broke and it was, whoops, my bad. And nothing yeah. happens. It doesn't matter what happened beforehand. It doesn't matter what happened during. All that matters is somebody is no longer here today who was here yesterday. And there was no sanction for that. Bro, yeah. and that's and, the thing that gets me, man. And it's even more, more and more, you know, disturbing, you know, when you, when you see the events unfold. And especially the fact that at some point in time, when the person was applying, you know, the force and, and everything, you know, not even, you know, pausing to think, right, am I endangering this person? Am I doing something that could have any dire consequences? And that's the thing that gets me Bro. in the sense that when, when all these things are going on, it doesn't seem like, you know, there is any kind of thought process. It's almost like the blind rage, you know, when people get red mist and you're sort of thinking, well, the brain is just kind of switched off. It doesn't look like that in this scenario because it's not as if there's any sort of, you know, activities that are escalating the situation. Dude, do this on the floor. So, sorry to yeah, interrupt. I just want to be very clear, right? I don't want to excuse any of this for any reason. Yeah, he did what he did very knowingly. The reason I say that is because when you're a kid, yeah, you assume that you don't know better. Therefore, you can assume yeah. a level of, do you know what? It might have been a mistake. Maybe they didn't consider what was happening around. They didn't foresee the the consequences. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, we're talking about a seasoned professional in his domain, insofar as he is a police officer. Nobody else is supposed to be able to impugn his judgment. Yeah, you should know what you should or shouldn't do within your remit. Do you remember that guy uh, a few years ago in Croydon who fell asleep at the wheel of a tram and the tram sped up too fast into a curve? The tram then fell over. Certain people died. They weren't mm -hmm. trying to excuse mm. him. Do you understand? He should have known better. How very dare you? fall asleep in control of a vehicle where you're carrying members of the public, yeah? And you don't follow protocol, and as a result, people lose their lives. How very dare you? That's the perspective we took there, yeah? Here, we're talking about a person who should have known better because he's been doing his job for a long time. Not only that, but he had other colleagues around him acting as the reasonable man test, right? Is that what a reasonable police officer should be doing? There's three other people that could have looked at that situation and said, hold on, wait, stop for a second. And there's people filming a situation who aren't police officers, but said, hold on a second, mate. Maybe your judgment isn't best here. He looks like he's in distress. He looks like he's in pain. Stop for a second. Put him in the car. Lift him up if you don't want to put him in the car. Just get your knee off his neck. Allow him to breathe. Yeah? Meaning, 
if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, and when I say you, I don't mean you, Master. I just mean the objective um, listeners out there. They want to give benefit yeah. of the doubt and say maybe he didn't know what he was doing. How can a person listen to such good counsel and have objective witnesses of their same level of understanding and still make the mistake and say it's not intentional? It's not a mistake. No, no, Professor X. And, and I think, you know, I, I open up that, you know, to, to allow us to have this conversation. Because Agreed. Yeah, I, no, think it, I think, I think it, it is important that, you know, people, you know, know that as we're talking about this, we're trying to consider all the, the angles. At the same time, you know, we, we're categorically saying this is the kind of things that shouldn't be happening, not especially in this day and age, you know, where, you know, there are so many opportunities where things can be de-escalated. You're rightly saying, you know, this is a man who's supposed to be an expert. You know, there's a man who's supposed to be skilled at what he's doing. He mm. should be better at doing this than anybody else, considering, you know, all that's there. And it does make me, you know, think, you know, about, you know, currently the state that we're in and potentially what, you know, social media and the ability to videotape, you know, or film things like this is contributing to to the overall state of, of the conversation. Mm. Because no doubt, you know, this is not something that is just a fluke or is just something that is the one-off. It does seem like this is something that always keeps happening, right? Mm. And it makes you wonder that, you know, the fact that we are seeing this now is actually giving us visibility of things that we were not seeing before. And also... The fact that this has been things that we may not have been able to to see the context of, and, and there could have been that he said, she said, you know, sort of scenario. Well, you know, this is the thing leading from what you said. This he said, he said, she said scenario has always been the case for a long time because you know why? Those of us who don't live in the midst of these kind of like society or communities, we don't really understand when someone, for instance, uh, an African American, explains why their neighborhood seems to be very dangerous on a heavy level. Because sometimes you get officers who go in there and are looking to cause damage. Do you know what I mean? But it's mm-hmm. not widely seen because it wasn't covered in social media and all that kind of stuff so now everything seems to be we need to shut it out and to be honest if we weren't all inside i don't feel like we would have even had the time to think about this because it's already been happening Uh it's already been happening there are other news that have come out relating to the same things but everyone's been hustling and bustling. So you've not really had the time to take it in. Right now, people are at home ready to consume on a very, very massive scale. And this is why things have blown out because everybody's seeing it. Everybody uh, is at home available to see it. Let me ask a question, right? Because, again, I want to have that rounded conversation, as Master L said. And you're right, Dr. Tammy, that everyone is available to see this material. So that everyone that is available to see and consume and properly understand, maybe even take the time in the evening that you wouldn't have had to read around and really understand what the context of what people are saying actually means in real life, right? Let's remove ourselves from the circumstance we're talking about. We're no longer discussing a police officer in the course of his duty. Imagine we had a doctor, right? A medical doctor who's a gynecologist and as part of his normal examinations he's seeing people from different ethnic backgrounds be they caucasian Mm. be they asian be they black or any other minority ethnic group right and Mm. as a gynecologist he has to perform examinations on these people Mm. right and in performing those examinations he is repeatedly 
hit with allegations of sexual assault, right? Let's not say where those allegations are coming from right now, but he's repeatedly hit with allegations of sexual assault. And all of the doctors mm-hmm. in his practice are also hit with allegations of sexual assault. People will be like, hold on, something is wrong here. Why is it everybody from this practice that is being hit with allegations of sexual assault? Then if you expand it and say, actually, it's not just this practice. It's gynecologists across the state, across the country, who've been hit with the similar allegations, right? Then you say, okay, it's not just allegations, but it's actually facts. We understand that people have gone to court or raised charges against gynecologists across the country, and those people are of the same sort of age. If it was just the age, it would be, hold on, gynecologists have a thing against young women. Do you get it? If it was older women, same thing, because they share a common denominator. Then you say, okay, Mm -hmm. it's not just age, it's of people of the same ethnic minority. You'd be like, okay, this is sounding a bit targeted right now. We haven't Mm -hmm. even got into the nitty gritty of it because there's still allegations, right? Then some of these people, maybe it's a reporter, the same way dispatches might do, goes into any one of these clinics and films the interaction with any one of these gynecologists. And in mm-hmm. that interaction, they film that these people are not only being acting against what would be reasonable practice for a doctor, but they are actively being sexual predators, right? And that happens one time, two times, three times, seven, 700. And people are still asking the question, hold on, is there something wrong with the way that gynecologists go about their duties? Because no one else is complaining, but this group of people seem to be victimized. Mm-hmm. And not only that, It happens to that one reporter, but everybody who goes in starts filming their interactions with gynecologists. And in every single one of those videos, people are being sexually assaulted. And not only are in every single one of those videos, people are being sexually assaulted, but at the end of those sexual assaults, people die. Not only do they die once, but they die seven times, 700 times. I think with that statement, it it obviously means that the issue at that point exist exactly what is the issue let's just bring the cat out of the back racism right racism still exists because this is what it's relating to but i'm going to break it down a bit differently discrimination on every level uh, still exists 100%. so yes on this particular issue we're, we're dealing with an issue of race which is a particular race has targeted another race due to the fact that they've got privileges that empowers them to do so, right? In doing so, if you look at it from a different angle, you've got discrimination generally. And it's kind of like, where do humans lie where if you're in a different type of society or in a different type of group, right? Where does it lie where you need to start applying common sense to understand that regardless of someone's color, right, sexuality, as Uh long as we all respect each other, Uh you should obviously respect my thing. I respect yours. And in that way, we're able to commune under agreed rules and regulations, isn't it? Because you don't really like, say, for instance, even if you're talking about Africans, right? In Nigeria, you've got so many tribes, for instance, right? Uh And even in Nigeria, you get people discriminating against other tribes. Agreed. Right? So for me, it's kind of like looking at it from just a very holistic perspective, 
right? Someone else feels I should be able to overpower you because my group of people run the world here. I should be in a better position to take advantage of you because if I did so, there would be no repercussions. That's the important right? point. And then, there will be and, no repercussions. Yeah, to, on, on the point of repercussions, right? I feel like that's, that's the issue at hand here, right? Because then imagine, taking it back to the previous example, where this gynecologist has been going around doing whatever he wants to do in the course of his duties. And as a whole, he's overseen by two things. First, the medical council or the general medical council for his state or country. And then second, the standard laws and practices that sit on top of all of those things, right? Both of them working simultaneously. He knows that the a medical council, unless he's done something which is wholly against the practices of medicine, isn't going to say anything, mm. right? And then mm. on top of that, the law that governs all of this stuff is going to say, do you know what? This guy's a doctor, you know? We need doctors. Can we prove that he really intended to hurt somebody? Nah. Well, we kind of need doctors more than we need to put this guy in prison. So let's leave him out here doing his medicine because he does more good than harm. That's a Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's funny because like yeah, Dave bro. Chappelle thing, right? So like he made a reference to Donald Trump and it's not just Donald Trump, but it's anybody of an ilk who believes in bigamy and hatred and speaks about it publicly with impunity, right? So he was like, oh, imagine there was a superhero and the superhero like Superman saves the world on a regular basis. But this superhero is also a rapist. And there's that balance that you have to toss up. Like, he, this guy does good. He saves, right? But at the same time as he saves, he rapes. But he saves more than he rapes. But he rapes. Is it okay? Because... The, is it okay? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because he saves more than he rapes. But what about the people he rapes? Do you get it? And I don't, I don't use it flippantly. And I guess... If you want a, a clearer version of that joke that actually is speaking the most insightful truth that most people don't want to acknowledge, refer to Dave Chappelle and his material. But the point here is still the same, right? Yes. And even the point I was referring to about the doctors and the, and the midwifery council, it's the same thing. They do good because they protect and serve or yeah. they quote unquote first do no harm, whichever perspective you take. But if in the course of those duties, they actually do harm, when they are the only people, they're the shortstop, right? They are that superhero that's meant to stand in front of the bad people. If they themselves are also bad people, who checks them? Should they be checked? Or is it okay because they save more than they rape? There's a question here about, you know, whether when people get into that system, like, you know, the, mm. the analogy that you're giving, is it because the, the people find that there is comfort in the system structure to mm. be able to you know, do some of these things without having a sense of repercussion. Is that system actually creating the enabling environment, you know, that allows these people to do that? So mm -hmm. you begin to wonder, right, you know, is it just a case of where even without the system, we know clearly that people still do those things and still treat certain races in a particular way. Um, mm -hmm. But does that system that they're in, and we're talking about the police system in this scenario, does that mm -hmm. actually create the environment that gives a bit of impunity and, you know, a bit more confidence to those people to act in that particular way towards this race? You're saying that. I know we're trying to, like, look at it from all different angles, but let's just take it to the random individual who's white, who's black. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. What is the mindset at that level? 
right? There was another thing here where um, I'm yet to actually watch it. I've been looking for it because I'm a bit late to the party on that one. Mm. But what was shown was there was a lady who called the police and told this black guy before she... Yeah, did, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah what she was going to do. The one right? in Central she Park, right? With the dog. T- yeah. She told them exactly what she was going to do before she actually called them up and made the story up and rah, 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 rah. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to say is some people know yeah. that this race thing is a thing and that you got the upper hand because. But I guess for me, what makes you so afraid of a black person? Because I don't think we're disposable. I just think there is something about us that makes you feel threatened. Bro. Not, you know, like, just why are you always that threatened? Do you know the word? Because you're not used to this race. Do you know the reason why I use the word disposable? Yeah? Because now you mentioned it. Let's examine the video you're talking about, right? This is what I'm talking about. The general laws and the rules that govern different bits of people, right? He was in Central Park. Mm-hmm. He was walking, getting his daily exercise as per government guidelines under COVID-19. Let's remember where we are, innit? Yeah? We're in a circumstance where there's a virus ravaging human beings alike, irrespective of race, gender, colour, creed, religion. Everybody's getting it right now, right? Yeah. Which mm-hmm. means we are all equal in our humanity in that we are subject to something that takes away people's humanity, right? So this guy's yeah. out here getting a walk in the park. And there's rules in the park that govern everybody who utilize that park, which say, if you have a dog, please, for the safety and comfort of other park users, keep your dog on a lead at all times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this guy being a human being and not only thinking of his own personal safety, he could be afraid of dogs. He could have been bitten by a dog before. There could be kids around. We don't know the background, right? He just says to Mm -hmm. this lady out of common courtesy, human being to human being, please put your dog back on the lead. And she says, what? Mm. F off, basically. Mind your business. But he himself used common sense before engaging with her because he knew where he was, what his color of skin was, and how that conversation could go left. So he pulled out his phone and decided to record the interaction before he engaged with her, right? Some people might take mm-hmm. the perspective of saying, listen, dude, you should have just minded your business, innit? But if he was a black guy in the park drinking alcohol, smoking weed, <laughs> nobody caught that. Nobody caught that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if he was if he was smoking alcohol, then it would have been a different story. But yeah, if he was smoking weed, drinking alcohol, right, publicly mm. breaking the rules, nobody would have felt any way to challenge him, right, about that behavior. Mm-hmm. But rule infraction is rule infraction, so he challenged her. But the fact that he even mm. drew, drew out his phone to record the interaction means that there's something he's aware of that she's not that he needs to protect himself against. Yeah. Anyway, in the interaction. She then starts saying, you know, I am who I am. You can't tell me what to do. If you don't leave me alone, mm. I will call the police mm. on you. Even though, and this, this is the impunity that we're talking about. She's weaponizing the system against him, even though yep. she's in the wrong, right? That's the yep. equivalent of a bank robber being white, telling a black teller, if she doesn't provide the money to him, he's going to call immigration services on her. Like, bro. You're the one in the wrong in this situation, right? And then when you examine the video further, she's wearing a face mask, right? Which means she prides her own life because she's trying to protect herself against COVID-19, which is what everybody's trying to do. But she's breaking social distancing rules to come and intimidate him. When it got to the point where she was close to him, I thought, okay, this person's going to maybe spit on him, threaten to use the virus against him. She took it one step Mm. further. As you said, she was very aware of her own impunity and said, I'm going to call the police. He says, 
called them, standing on his own righteousness, knowing that he was in the right, right? Then she starts concocting a story. The story manifested in two seconds. There's a big black guy in the park. He's chasing me. I don't know what he's going to do next. She knows she's on camera, but her brain still says, no matter what I do next, I'm getting away with this. Mm-hmm. Being wrong, she was wrong and strong and had to keep up in the ante to make sure that she won by any means necessary. That's just a normal human being mm-hmm. who doesn't have the backing mm-hmm. of the state or the brotherhood of police officers. Now imagine she was a police mm-hmm. officer who had done something wrong. And imagine that one person is the only person who can testify to that wrongdoing. If they keep up in that ante, then the conclusion is the same. We need to get rid of this person because they're threatening me and my personal impunity, mm-hmm. right? She called the police thinking they're going to come here and then eventually he's going to be the person who ends up in trouble. But knowing what black mm. people in trouble with the police looks like, she had no regard for his life at the time she made that phone call. Yeah. Because when they mm. arrive, they're going to see him as any aggressor and a threat to everyone's physical safety. If that means he gets shot, that means it's okay for a human being to lose their life because she doesn't want to be told to put her dog on the lead. Think about I mean, the thought process here. I mean, I mean that scenario is... You know, as you're just going through it, it's just thinking, right, look at all the different, you know, elements into that. The fact that, you know, she could rely on a system uh, that was going to respond in a particular way. You know, so she Mm -hmm. knew that by triggering, you know, that particular, you know, reaction from herself, that is Mm -hmm. going to in itself snowball a different reaction, which she already knows what it will look like, you know, simply because she's altered some keywords you know, mm-hmm. uh, as part of her sentence. And, and you think about the, the reaction of the black guy, right, mm-hmm. who's already in his head, you know, preparing himself, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like, you know what, I know what potentially is going to happen next, you know, mm-hmm. so I need to start, you know, capturing stuff so that there is no, you know, sort of contention around what really happened. And it's really interesting because I've seen in the last, you know, couple of days where, you know, people have been posting, you know, videos of them, you know, educating their children about mm-hmm. how they should respond or react if they're in this type of scenario. It's funny that usually the black people who are doing that, you know, because obviously they know that once you start seeing a particular, you know, action, you're beginning to see where potentially that path goes. And it's crazy because it almost seems like there's a predetermined path, you know, that every of this escalation you know, follows, you know, that adversely affects, you know, the black person, you know, consequently as, as a black person, you know, you're always thinking, oh my goodness, I've seen this movie before. I know how it ends. <laughs> I, I know how it ends. So, you know what, I, I, I don't want to be the star here. You know, I want to, yeah. you know, let, let me kind of, you know, see what I can do to kind of, you know, catalog the event just so that, potentially I'm hoping that it doesn't end up in the way that that movie typically ends. And I think, I think it goes to the question that I'm going to be asking and I'm just going to get straight into it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask, is it tough being black? I mean, that's a rhetorical question, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, go for it. That's, uh, to me, I, that's a rhetorical I, I want, question. I, I want to know. And the reason why I say, is it tough being black? Because at the end of the day, right, listen, there's a history of this stuff, right? Yeah. You know, you go way back to when you had slave trade right so there's a history to what this is right and then you come on to 2020 and it's all sophisticated now that's the way i see it it's all sophisticated it's no longer we're actually directly putting people on a boat 
right? And, and getting them sold and shipped out, right? So it's all changed. I've got a different perspective to it. But from you guys, I want to know, do you feel like if you went into an environment, because obviously for people who actually live abroad, you try not to make it a thing that you know when you've experienced it a few times, that is a thing. Because a lot of the times, if I'm being honest, you never actually know until you've experienced it. That is yeah. the thing. Because uh-huh. yeah, 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 you yeah. feel like you're oblivious that you hear about it. Do you go, I mean, it's like you haven't lost your life on it yet. So you don't really think it's a major thing. So for those of us who don't live in that environment, if you got stopped by a police officer, could literally get shot. Yeah. Or killed. Now you're not in the environment. So you don't actually know what that fear feels like. So for you, you're in a corporate world. You see it in little bits and pieces, but because it's not leading to death, you don't want to say it because people might think, dude, you're being a bit too much in it. And that's the thing. So which is what I'm saying is being black quite tough because mentally you've got to cope with how you manage your stress levels when it comes to reacting to things that other people might just react to normally. Uh-huh. You then have to obviously contain that. And some people have to go through depression yep. purely because you're feeling anxious that you might not be the kind of guy who's a bit dead to like emotion when it comes to anger, because everyone's got their different levels in it. So uh-huh. talking about a dog, I had a situation and I'm just going to say, it. well, to the dog lovers out there, I'd like to apologize. <laughs> but look, listen, I, I was looking after myself when I was like 20. Right. I was in a park at this particular park. Right. You normally have uh-huh. like young boys like come over to play football every Sunday. and that. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. I met this Somalian friend who uh-huh. like, invited me to this place in the park. Uh-huh. So what used to happen was I didn't really have a lot of friends. Uh-huh. So what I just do is I'll go to the park and I'll wait for them to arrive yeah. because they normally arrived in numbers so we can play and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I go and I wait and you know, I want to watch some chilling and waiting for, you know, the numbers and all that kind of stuff. Cause back then you didn't really call people like you do now. Yeah. You didn't really take numbers down. You just, you just went by location. And they'd I'm be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? You don't really talk about... So, yeah, so got, got there, chilling, waiting, right? So so I learned a few skills having to deal with those kind of dogs. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. what I realised was when you have these kind of dogs in your vicinity, regardless of the fact that you're the owner, yeah. there were times that these dogs had emotions and wanted to express their emotions by growling at you or showing you some teeth. Yeah. Right? So you had to tell them who's the boss. Yeah. So I came up with this thing. And when I was young, I was into Taekwondo and all that kind of like stuff, you know, I used to go to classes and that. So what I used to do was, you step up to me, I'm going to hit you in the bollock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So when my dogs, as big as they were, tried to have one-on-one, like you look at me in the eye, Uh. and you're coming at me, (laughs) I just get you disabled in the bollock. (laughs) And then they start wincing, you know, Cool. I know this sounds horrible, right? Like I said, dog lovers uh, out there. Dog lovers out there. I, I am apologizing up front. But man had to look after himself because I would have been eating dead. But anyway, going back to this story right now. So I'm standing in the park, right? You know where this is going, isn't it? I'm standing in the park, right? Uh-huh. All of a sudden, I see an animal running at a very, very massive pace. Uh-huh. Now I'm thinking... Is it coming at me? Is it not coming at me? Do you know what I mean? I'm still kind of making a decision. Yeah. Right? 
then it starts getting closer. And when I'm saying this thing's running at a very heavy pace, mm-hmm. so I'm thinking, okay, you're a big dog. It was one of those bull-looking types that just, you know, ugly-looking thing, but it was massive, mm-hmm. right? So it was coming. I was still trying to make up on my what to do at that point, but I was frozen. Do you know what I mean? Because in the park, people walk their dogs and people do stuff, even though you don't really like it because coming from like Nigeria, you don't have people walking dogs. I used to walk my dog and I had to have my dog on the leash because I knew what could happen to my dog if it went round trying to have a go at someone else. Mm-hmm. It could go dead. Immediately. Do you know what I mean? So in this situation, I'm thinking, well, you see people in the park, they just blah, 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 I'm chilling. This dog gets closer. Bro, my blood just goes all the way to the brain because now I realize this thing is actually coming at me. Mm. And it was literally about three meters away at this point. So it takes a jump. And I remember my skill then, right? I just go into like Bruce Lee in it. <laughs> and I just go for the bollock, bro. It takes a jump, and as it goes straight for me, bro, I just relived muscle memory, what I used to do, and wham. So I did what I did. The dog went down, wincing and rolling over, right? (laughs) What did I get? Now I get a Caucasian man walk up to me. Now, considering I'm 20 now, right, this dog gets up, and it's all over my trousers, bro. So, you know, I'm trying to get away. Obviously, I already knew a few things, again, because I'd done this because I had dangerous dogs when I was younger, mm. right? So I knew how to kind of like disable certain things. Uh-huh. So, yeah. But it didn't have enough energy to bite through me yeah. like it would have when it was coming at the first time. Because obviously at this time, I'd taken a lot of wind out of it doing what I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the shocking bit of it was, the shocking you bit. had this man step up to me telling yeah. me what the hell have I done? That why did I have a go at his dog? Right, right, right. And I said to him, why didn't you put your dog on the leash? This yeah, thing yeah. almost jumped on me. Can't uh-huh. you see the size of what you've got? So we uh-huh. get into an argument now about what's happened here. Yeah. But the thing is, in that whole moment, I kept feeling like I'm the aggressor here because this is what it's painting out to look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you getting my point now? Yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, people are starting to like gather around. How do I dumb this down? Because it's only going to be seen that I'm the aggressor here, even though my blood was pumping, man, because I was pumped up because at that point I thought, whoa, I'm about to lose my life. Because remember, I've been watching this dot coming at me for a bit until the Mm. last minute that I realized this is no joke, right? So Mm. I did anything to me, dude, this is me about to become pepper soup. You know what I mean? And the owner was doing absolutely nothing of it. And I guarantee you, bro, he knew exactly where he stood if the police turned up. Yeah, of course. Especially if that narrative was played out that I physically hit that dog in the bollock, right? At the time I did so, right? It would have been deemed that I was, what, doing what? assaulting a dog and probably was mistreated an animal in a cruel way, right? Considering I was in danger. Let's even break it down a little bit further because, I mean, like they always say that two wrongs don't make a right, right? So at the end of the day, right, even if someone had made an infraction of the law, 
and you know there was supposed to be a response to it what are we saying here you know the response that we're getting even if there was a black man involved in something you know and then you know some white policemen you know came to the scene you know does the corresponding response that they take you know should that be the way that they respond you know because at the end of the day you know we're talking about the bypassing the the judge the executioner the jury and all that yeah. why can't yeah. the due process of the law you know take its course from that point in time right because you due know, process only applies to certain people and i agree with you completely but my perspective is i don't want to use racism as the label but i mean it's the only one i can think of right now so let's call it racism right racism has two faces it's either express in your face i hate you because you are black brown tall you know fat whatever right i hate you because da, da, da. that's those sort of tiki torch bearing donald trump voting hard right wing fully conservative type mind frames right where people have impunity to express hate speech even though it's against the law knowing that nothing's going to happen then there's the other face of racism which is, as far as I'm concerned, the face that it wears most of the time, which is the same point that both of you are alluding to, which is the silent face of racism, right? Mm. The retrospective face of racism, where in the moment, you don't realize that you've been a victim of uh, racial discrimination, bias, or anything else. But when you think about it afterwards, or if you tell the story to someone else who wasn't there, that has the objective perspective, it's like, wow, dude, that wasn't okay. Do you understand? Yeah. Like all them times you went into a shop and I think Dr. Tammy's mentioned it. Right. Oh, and the security bro. guard will now follow you for no reason. For some or, reason. Follow you for no reason, bro. Do you understand? Even if you're even coming there to buy more than his salary is worth for that day, but he will still be following you. Or him too, he doesn't afford to shop in that shop. So he's thinking, you too, you can't shop here. Or better still, the one that happens most of the time is you'll pass somebody with a dog or you'll person with a dog or you both meaning white person with a dog, right? And the dog will now start barking at you. You're the only brown person around. Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe the dog is just, it's intimidated. I'm a big black man. Why a dog would be intimidated by me when the dog is the one with the teeth? Mm, I don't know. Mm. But then it speaks to a wider mind frame, right? Meaning this dog doesn't encounter black people enough to not be afraid of them. Or dogs being telegraphs of the owner's emotion the owner is afraid of black people and therefore has taught the dog to be afraid of white people because guns don't kill people. People kill people, which means this dog has picked up the traits of its owner and is displaying them expressly, which means the dog itself mm-hmm. isn't racist. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is, but you see the point I'm trying to derive here, right? Yeah. Retrospectively, mm-hmm. when you look back on it, that's when the racism becomes apparent. Like, oh, I applied for this job six times. I never got the job. Oh, you over there got, got the job first time and they don't even have the qualifications I have. You're not going to say, you can't say it's express racism because they didn't say, I don't want you because you are brown. But when you look at it in retrospect, it's like, what is the other reason that could be applying here if it's not that this has something to do with it? Do you get it? Yeah. That's why I asked the question. Is it tough? Because if you have to have to go through that thinking all the time, yeah. right? It's a bit much. It's definitely tough definitely tough being a black person and and especially the silent one right because that's the one that's very difficult to prove and but you you still feel the the impact regardless you feel that you know at at the end of the day you know there is something beyond just the qualifications or just the competency you know that has you know placed you at the back of the line to even give an example which is exactly that have you ever heard the word 
uh, perception in a professional context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No? Yeah. yeah, go on. There was a period where I was applying for promotion, right? And when I say promotion, it's not even like I'm applying for a new role. They call it grade progression, which is basically you're doing the same job, but we value you more. So we'll pay you more money and give you seniority within the same role. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. from Monday to Tuesday, if I had got the quote-unquote promotion, nothing would have changed apart from the respect that I should have received and my ability to train colleagues, all of that sort of stuff. Plus, yeah. I would have got greater pay as recognition, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember there was a period of like two or three years where I was applying for this grade progression because there's multiple grades because they left the grade progression up to the discretion of your line manager. Yeah. Now, my line manager at that point was an ex-police officer. Yeah. Or you book guy, you know, lads, lad, you know what I mean? And everyone in the team had to kind of adopt or conform to his culture, which is the culture that he feels comfortable in, in order for him to identify with you, to feel like you guys are, you know, you're Padida, you can even just smoke. Yeah. So as I'm applying, applying for this great progression, which only comes around once every three months, right? So I have four or so opportunities every year to apply for this thing, if I'm lucky. But the manager still has to sign off. Each time I want to start getting ready, I'll hear, oh, I don't feel like you're ready yet. And my, my question is, is why? Last time you said I didn't have enough of this, that, and the other one. So this yeah. time I went and made sure I did that, the third and, and the second, to make sure that that's covered. Oh, yeah, but you've missed off on this thing. Okay, so I went and did those things and those things to make sure that I've covered all the bases. And then when I come back, it's, just think about the perception. Perception of what? Just mm. be mindful of perception. Not people's perception of you, not their perception of you in this particular context, not their perception of you based on this particular behavior that you've displayed in this way. Just think about perception. Because I was going crazy, right? I was thinking about this thing. I said, what what does this guy even mean that you're giving me feedback, but it's a riddle? I went to Google to Google what perception means in it because I wanted to look at the definition, yeah? And now when you look up the word perception, the key word that is contextualized in the definition is subjective. Do you get it? Perception Mm -hmm. is down to the eye of the beholder. So what he's saying Mm -hmm. to me in Mm -hmm. in saying you're not ready because of perception is whoever is in the position of power to decide that you're not ready doesn't believe you're ready because of the way they see things. So then the next conversation we had where he said, oh, you're not ready because of perception. I said, hold on. Whose perception are we talking about here? Is it the head of the department who he painted it to be? So I said, can you book a meeting between me and this person so I can clear up any perceptions and address them expressly so that going forward, I know exactly what I'm being measured against. Yeah. And he was like, mm, I don't know if that would be a good idea. And that's when I started to realize, wow. So it's not their perception. It's your perception. This whole time you have been sitting here silently holding me back, using Yanga and Krinkum Krankum to turn the world against me. But you're telling me it's perception. <laughs> Is it not your own objections that you're bringing to the table? Oh, I had the interaction mm. with a brown guy once and that guy was rude. And when you did X, it reminded me of him. Therefore, you too, you must be rude. That's my perception. And I'm not changing it for anything. So if perception literally means opinion, then we are being held accountable by the court of opinion. No evidence. Judge, jury, executioner. That's all that matters, right? You know, what I was actually trying to, to get to was that at the end of the day, we still feel that impact, you know, because of the mm-hmm. changing goalposts when it comes to, you know, measurements or when it comes to, you know, reviews and stuff just in the job scenario. You know, I think 
Mm-hmm. You know, there have been times, you know, and I've also had experiences where, you know, we, we've had conversations about things, right? We've been given a certain, you know, perception that, right, okay, once you hit this different target, you know, you would expect mm-hmm. uh, certain things to happen. When the time comes for you to then see, you know, how that performance is rated, then the goalpost has changed. And then more yep. annoyingly, you find someone else you know, who's probably not had the same level of experience or level of, of performance, you know, just comes mm-hmm. in and has a different result. And then you, you start mm-hmm. wondering to yourself, okay, what is going on here? Because I've seen that the trend seeming to go in a particular direction when certain mm-hmm. types of people are involved. It goes in a different direction when certain types of, of people are involved. And I guess this is where, you know, a lot of companies have been sort of talking about the diversity you know, and, and having, you know, people of different race in, in, you know, being in prominent positions. And it just makes you think, you know, why should we even be having those conversations, right? You know, why should mm-hmm. we say, oh, you must have at least one, you know, black person or one minority person in a, a certain position to show, you know, that your company has diversity. So, you know, going back to that whole system thing, it is in the system and, and the system is broken, really. And you will find people, right, outside of the work environment who would, would probably not even think in that context. But, you know, when you then bring it back into certain things and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, but why are you acting in this particular way, you know, when mm-hmm. normally you would not act in that particular way outside of that particular environment? You know, to bring it back to the original question of, is it tough to be black, right? I feel like the answer can only be one-sided when you examine it on its head. If you flip it over and say, would a brown person's life be easier if they were white? We all know the answer to that question. Yeah. Would I have got that job? And that's it. Would I have been approved for that rent? Would I have got that loan? Mm. Would I have got into that school? Would I have been called for interview if my name wasn't so ethnic or exotic? You know what I mean? Would, would I have been put on probation mm-hmm. if my hair wasn't da da da? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we all, mm-hmm. we all know mm-hmm. the answer. And to uh, illustrate it perfectly, mm. there's a series on, on BBC3 called Noughts and Crosses, right? And the premise of the series is literally that they flip the um, minority and the majority on their head. So instead of brown people living in a white man's world... I'll give an example. Working in Scotland, turn up to work, you've got to, you know, get through security because it's one of these, like, government type of, like, places and that. So you get through security and that. On that floor, I'd say maybe I was probably the only black guy. Not the only black person, but probably the only black man. Now, they had a thing where, you know, people dress easy and all that kind of stuff. So when I'm going back home, on a Thursday or Friday, I normally be a bit more casual and I wear like a face cap and that. But I'm not the only one who has to wear a face cap. You get people who wear face caps and are like all covered in tattoos and wearing shorts and sneakers and that. So everyone's got their thing. So this particular day, right, I go over to a desk looking for a colleague based on a piece of work that we were supposed to do and we were supposed to finish off. But I didn't really realize that she wasn't in. So I went to that area obviously looking around. So anyone who's watching me would probably think he's looking for something, but he can't find it. Do you know what I mean? I'm just yeah. going around. I haven't asked anyone around because I haven't spotted this person at their desk. So I walk back to my desk and I sat down. Now it's an open plan office. So I look back 
right? And I saw security coming, but I didn't really think much of it. Do you know what I mean? You know, when you see stuff, but because it's, you're not thinking anyone's coming to get you or anything, I didn't really take it in. So I turn back, I'm doing my work. They turn up next to me and ask me if I work there. And I'm thinking, sorry. Like, everyone's comfortable around me. No one's, like, behaving funny. You are asking me if I work here. So I basically said, yeah. And everyone's looking at this whole situation, wondering what's going on here. Yeah. So then they asked me for my badge, right? So I showed them the badge. Then they go, oh, you should have worn the badge, uh, blah, 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 blah. I said, okay, cool. So then they walked over to someone else and said, oh, you know, bring your badge. Now they're trying to compensate for what they've just done. Because yeah, now they want to check the everyone. Way, huh? <laughs> yeah, so they walked all the way, missed everybody, yeah, 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 came yeah. directly to me, found yeah. out that I'm actually someone who works there. Then you start trying to check everybody, right? right. My colleagues, obviously, who are white and all that kind of stuff, were a bit baffled. Yeah. Like, what just happened there? But I think everyone knew what just happened there. Yeah, yeah. So they go away in two minutes, knowing what they've done. Yeah. Not even two minutes. In one minute, an email goes out to everyone saying that, oh, such and such floor has been inspected and has failed inspection because people weren't wearing their badges. <laughs> Bro, I'm not the only one who doesn't wear a badge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I'm not the only one who walks around who doesn't wear a badge. So someone has seen me looking for someone and perception is that as a black guy, he can't be here for a reason. I can't be someone who's there working legitimately. I must have gotten into the building, you know, by crook or whatever. And I'm there looking for something to steal. And they've reported it to security and security's come all the way to me and bro i had to go outside to take some fresh air because i was fuming yeah. bro let's examine what you just said i, I was fuming let's examine what you just said when the person reported it to security how did they describe you because if they came just to you and you're the only black person on the floor yeah. what did they say to security to get it that's there's a I, black I, guy I on the know. floor no, bro, that's what it, there's a black guy on the floor i don't know why he's here he doesn't look like he works here because there's no other way they could come directly to you unless there was something distinctive about what you were wearing. Oh, he's wearing blue. How many people on the floor are going to be wearing blue? Or, oh, or they're, they're... could he have it even been worse where they said, there's a guy here, we don't think he's working here. And then the security person just looked and thought, okay, the, the black guy oh, there you go, right? fits the description of someone who we don't think should be working here. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. For them to turn up and not ask any questions means that they already know who they're looking for. Do you understand? How many times have you heard you fit the description? Yeah. What was the description? Yeah. (laughs) The description was, I I probably looked like a flipping gangster, innit? Because I was wearing a face cap. This is the thing that gets to me all the time. And for me, I kind of feel like it's a thing that we always brush aside because... That incident, for instance, didn't lead to me losing my life. I wasn't put on the ground, uh-huh. you know, being pinned down. Uh-huh. So we who are professionals who live, you know, in these countries uh-huh. as black people, uh-huh. you feel like, oh, you're going over the top if you bring it up as a thing. Yeah, because it's not that deep. Nothing really happened, did it? Exactly. Yeah. It's not that deep, isn't it? It's not that deep. 
But when I lived in Scotland, that was one of the places that I realised. Not to say that people are racist there, but what I'm saying is it does exist. Yeah. So rather than trying to ignore it, it is there, how be it that it's not everybody. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And the thing is, I realised that it's also dependent on age. Okay. Because I think like the younger generation right probably don't have it as much as you have the older generation who existed during a time when this was like a proper thing uh-huh, uh-huh. right so that's kind of like my thinking i kind of think the younger ones these days mix up a little bit more different hence why you've got for instance in london you've got a lot of you know like very mixed in terms of relationships and all that stuff because back in the day it would have been a massive issue for you to be dating outside your race or something like that. Even though the younger ones are slightly better, it still exists within the younger generation. I'll give you an example, right? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, my workplace is a lot more smart casual. Yeah? You can turn up in a shirt, jeans, chinos, trainers. But when I first started there, I, it was certain shirt and tie every day, suit every day. Yeah. And I used to take pride in my suits, man. I was mixing and matching, doing, you know, matching shoe and bag, all sorts, bro. I was like, you know what I mean? I was a consummate yeah. professional in that regard. But I used to like... Runway expert, isn't it? Come on, mate. You know what I mean? Even had pocket square and all. Come yeah. on. After, there's a national chain of express supermarkets. I'm not going to name them, but they're up there with the, the big five. You can figure the big five, who they are. And they're close to my workplace. And they're so close that everyone used to pop in in the morning for the mid-morning break, go grab you a snack or some mm. fruit or da 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 Because I didn't used to like break my cadence when I got to work, I used to get my snacks before work. So I used to go and pick up fruit on a daily basis and go to my office, right? I've been working in this place for years at this point. I was even working there longer than the shop itself had been there. Do you understand? So mm-hmm. if, if it's a case of seniority, they should know me more than I should know them, right? Because they see me every day. Mm. So I went into the shop. I went to go and purchase some grapes as I normally do on a daily basis. But they, their technology was crap. Because the shop was new, everything wasn't working perfect. So their self-checkout wasn't really working. They hadn't figured out their queuing system. So it was all chaotic on the inside, right? I go and pick up these grapes. I go to the self-checkout, assuming that they would have taken care of their plant and machinery. Mm-hmm. I scan the grapes, it beeps. Yeah. I pay by contactless. And obviously, I'm glad that was a habit I've had pre-corona. I pull out my card. I tap the thing. It beeps again, registering the payment. But then their self-checkout system fails, right? So it defaults back to the welcome screen and it doesn't print out a receipt. So it's almost like the transaction never happened if you were looking at yeah. the machine, right? But I know that it beeped when I scanned it. It showed the cost and it beeped again when I paid because it displayed the cost, which was £2, by the way, on the a card machine, right? So because of that beep, I waited there for a receipt. I was tapping the screen, nothing happened. I tried to seek assistance from their floor staff. But again, they hadn't really figured out their customer service yet. And it was shocking. So no one was available to help me. So I said, you know what? I am confident that this Mm. payment went through. All good. I carried my grapes, put my music back in my ear, and I left the shop. I walked to work, which is like 100 meters away. And you can literally see the entrance to the building from the front of the shop, right? Bear in mind, I was Mm. wearing a gray suit with brown shoes at that time, yeah? yeah? Blue shirt, brown and blue tie swag yeah <laughs> i had a brown bag <laughs> so like <laughs> it's not like i was hiding yeah i walked slowly because i had my music in my ear yeah. i'm just strolling to work it's about half past eight in the morning yeah i get to the turnstile the gate before the lifts at my office where yeah. you have to swipe your pass to gain access there's a security guard there there's a number of other colleagues everyone's funneling in just like a tube station you know what i mean bodies everywhere everyone's going through their individual gates yeah mm. yeah uh, and then i feel a tap on my shoulder 
And I'm thinking, hold on, of all the mornings I've come into this office, no one has ever touched my shoulder. Maybe I bump somebody, maybe I drop something. Yeah. So I take my music out my ear, I turn mm. around, there's a guy standing there and he's got like a badge on his shirt, but he's wearing a tie and a shirt. So I'm thinking maybe he works here, but why has he got a badge on? I said, morning mate, you're right, what's, what's going on? He sees the grapes in my hand, which I'm still carrying. And he points at them in public and says, oh, did you pay for those? And I'm confused. Like I was listening to my, my Banky W and my, you know what I mean? My whiskey that morning. I said, wait, <laughs> I said, what? He said, did you pay for those grapes? And at that point, mm. the security guard looks at me. She don't know me from Adam, but yeah. she's the security guard for my work building. Yeah. So now she's looking at me like, oh, is this person a thief? Now I'm starting to consider the perception of the people around me. Yeah. Like if I make a big deal out of this now, I'm going to come across as the aggressor, right? I'm going to come across as the person mm. who's acting up. But I'm standing there thinking, who the hell are you even to be asking me this question in my place of business furthermore? Secondary, yeah. of course I paid for these things. Do I look like I need to steal two pound grapes? I'm literally standing at the door of my workplace. Then he was like, oh, do you want to follow me back to the shop? I said, let's go then. If you want, I will follow you to the police station. Let's clear this up right now. Yeah? So he's walking ahead of me. And at that time, it still hasn't registered in my head what's happened. Yeah. Do you get it? This is the silent racism that I'm talking about. Mm. So then I get into the shop. I still got my music in my ear by this point because I'm thinking, listen, I'm looking forward to a long day at work. I'm trying to stay in the zone for as long as possible before the yeah. grind hits. Get into the shop and I see this guy in there before me because they got a glass front. He's talking to the people behind the counter. He gestures with a thumb towards the door. And then as he walks away, they're all staring at me too. And I'm walking to the shop thinking, hold on, did I fart or something? <laughs> Why is everyone looking at me like this? Mm. And then I get over to him and I said, okay, you wanted to discuss it. Let's discuss it. What's the problem? He, st- he then points to the tilt and keeps stacking the shelf. I said, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Mm. What do you mean by that? He was like, go and pay for the grapes then. And that's when it dawned on me. I said, oh, this whole time you assumed that I stole these. And when you came into the shop, you returned as the, as the returning hero, having slain the dragon. I caught the thief. I said, wow. Wow. Okay. I threw the grapes on the floor. I said, you know what? Next time, don't racially profile somebody. And I left because even in that moment, if I'm honest, I wanted to slap this guy's face. I wanted to slap the hair from Bro. his head. Are you crazy? Bro. Are you crazy? You put him on his back, innit? You know what I mean? Are you, are, you, are you mad? Are you mad? Are you mad? Are you mad or what? But at that time, I thought, even if I do this wow. now, yeah, I'm going to look like the person who's in the wrong. Absolutely. So I just left the grapes and I went to work, yeah? And I got in and people are asking me, what's wrong? You know, you're not your happy, bubbly self. And I said, listen, yeah. I'll tell you the day I've had. It just ruins you, bro. Ah, I said, I can't even explain it right now. I'll tell you later. Because now I have to get on with my own targets. Yeah. If me and the guy next to me are not on target for that day, they're going to assume he's having a bad day. They're going to assume I'm incapable, not knowing that one of us has been the victim of racism here and the other one hasn't. And I'm know, still talking about this now. This thing happened like six years ago, bro. And you know, the funny thing about that is that even if they had done the reconciliation and they had seen, you know, just that, you know, payment that you made without the corresponding you know, inventory showing that the good has gone out, they, no, no one bro. would take anything out of it. No one would even make, you know, would even think about that scenario and say, actually, you know, this guy did pay for maybe next right. time when he so came me- into the shop, you know, we should at least say something. Let me finish then, because there was day two. 
Yeah. So I'm sitting there thinking <laughs> exactly what you said. My card beats. I paid for these grapes. If it was a mistake on my part, you know, sometimes you remove the contactless too fast. Yeah. If the payment didn't register, mm. fair play. I hold my hands up. He was justified in challenging me, right? So then I waited because mm. at that time, online banking wasn't as swift as it is now. Now yeah. you can register the transaction immediately. Then they used to do reconciliation on a 24-hour basis, right? So all of your previous stage transactions will be available after midnight. Yeah. So then I go through my day, you know, the thing still was sitting on my mind, but I said, you know what, let me move past it. I can't let that one interaction overshadow my whole day. I go home. I come back to work. I had forgotten it by then because racism is racism, right? We as black people, would just absorb it. Yeah. Anyway, getting to work the next day, one of my white colleagues now says to me, oh, what happened with that thing? I said, what thing? Oh, those grapes. I said, oh, yeah. Let me check my statement. Lo and behold, two pound for red grapes, the only grapes that I eat. I said, yeah. They were like, what are you going to do? I said, (laughs) (laughs) so I said, okay, I'm going back to the shop. They were like, oh my days, I can't believe it. (laughs) Expecting that I'm going to go to the shop and kick up a a mad stink, innit? But I had to now, even in my mind, center myself and say, listen, when you go into the shop, stay on the right side of right. Yeah. Don't make an ass of yourself because if I go in there and start shouting and screaming and da 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 da, it's going to take away from the point that I'm making, right? If I go in there and assault somebody, again, I'm going to become the person in the wrong. When I am the only victim in this circumstance, the company has held on to my payment for the item and also received the item back. The person who did it didn't suffer any detriment. All of the people who witnessed it suffered nothing. But me, I'm still here, as I said, telling this story. So I get into the shop and the same guy is there. And he knows he was wrong at that time, right? So I saw the manager. I said, well, I saw, I saw him on the floor. And I said, can you go and get the, the store manager for me? And he was like, oh, I'm the supervisor. I said, go and collect the manager. I'm not talking to you. So he now went to go and call the manager from the office who was probably doing paperwork or whatever kind of reconciliation they do. He now came out. Mm. I said, I explained the situation to him. I showed him my bank statement. I said, so check your CCTV. You received those grapes back yesterday. But why have I been charged for this item? And you have held my funds for that 24-hour period and been able to claim interest on that money in your bank account for that whole period too, yeah? But me, I lost out because I didn't get to have my breakfast yesterday. What are you going to do about it? And then, of course, they wanted to put on the face of contriteness, similar to what Dr. Tammy said, sending emails. Oh, yeah, do you know, we've had a, a spate of thefts at this store. So maybe it's just an overzealous employee not acting on company policy, but it, it with the best interest of the company at heart. I'm very sorry. All I can do is apologize. And I'm standing there looking at him. All you can do is apologize. How many other people did this guy accuse of theft yesterday or any day before? And any of those people, how many of them were not brown? How many of them were not black? Do you get it? Furthermore, your apology, what's it going to do for my breakfast yesterday? What's it going to do for the money that you took from my account? What's it going to do for my faith in your shop? And this point or this story brings me on to the next point of how we move forward from this situation. But mm. long and short of it is, all they could provide me was forever rush to say sorry. One nonsense party chocolate to apologize for, <laughs> <laughs> to apologize for racism. So I said, oh, God. That's fine. If, if that's as far as you can go, that's cool. I want my refund immediately. But believe you me, this shop used to be patronized by myself and my other colleagues every day. I'm going to do my best to discredit the reputation of this store for as many years to come as possible with everyone I can tell. And you will never, ever, 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 ever see another penny of my money. Bet me. Yeah. 
That is the closest store to my office. I will never on any day go there for any reason. Even if I'm thirsty, I will still walk to a store, which is about 15 or 20 minutes away, to give them my money instead. Because at least I know there, I'm not putting food in the hands of racists. In it. So that, how that, dare you? So, it's, so it's, that it's shocking, up, you shocking. know, what you've just said about, okay, how do we move forward with this? You know, as a community, you know, how do we tend to change the conversation? So your response in that scenario was like, I'm going to withhold the economic, you know, advantage that you had from me patronizing you. Yep. You know, so there's the other conversation about, you know, what do people within our own community, you know, say about experiences like this? You know, do we mm-hmm. share enough of these experiences, you know, you know, even within ourselves, you know, so that we can start having a change perhaps? Because I know that even sometimes, even within us, you know, Black folks, is that even when someone comes and talks about, you know, um, their experience, you know, some of us might be thinking, well, actually, was that really the case? You know, and I don't think that really helps as well because it, it just further, you know, creates the cover you know, for especially those silent racism to keep continuing. Because even within yeah. our community, you know, we don't actually support others, you know, who've actually come out to share their experiences. You know, and then mm-hmm. what that mm-hmm. means is that there's less and less people sharing experiences. So people don't actually realize the magnitude or the fact that the this scale is of the problem. going on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, think, and I think that's it. And I think that's it because that's what I'm saying that a lot of people just, because you don't really lose your life over it, even though it does impact you mentally and uh, emotionally, you can't like, because look, that day when that thing happened, mm. without anything being said, you've just been called a thief, bro. Basically, that's the part that killed me the most. Right? Because, mm. <laughs> bro, and did you, 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 you didn't even like, ask. It, the irony of it, is it's kind of like they could track and they could see if they ask the right questions. Yeah. But this is where I come to with this issue, right? I feel this is all happening because as a community, we do not support one another, right? Mm-hmm. And that is where I believe that we're failing because look, people can only treat you, right? The way they see you, right? And if a black person sees another black person a certain way, then it only makes it easier for someone who doesn't actually look at that community to only have a perception uh-huh. of that community. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Because number one, you don't actually fight back. So everyone like, you know, Master Earl was saying, when someone else says this kind of thing, you're looking at them thinking, is that really the case or have you taken it too far? Because we're all trying to be goody two shoes. We're all trying to keep it under the yeah. lid because we know if things go out of hand, what we're getting in the world right now is the reaction you'd get. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, oh, let's keep it under the lead because you know, once things go away, it might be people who don't have like uh, legal papers. They're afraid of stuff because you're leaving in the country where you've been given access to stuff. Or it might be people who are in the middle of like applying for like a British passport to become a national. Uh-huh. You know, everyone's afraid because, yeah, I don't want to lose that because I don't want to go back to Africa. Uh-huh. But this is the point. Even in Africa, people do exactly the same thing. Uh-huh. Hence why we're facing what we're facing, because up until a few years ago, if you spoke to an African-American person, right? Uh, They would give you a perception of African or Africa, which they probably still have, uh to be honest, uh but I think it's not as bad as it used to be. Uh And even like in Britain, when you have kids, for instance, growing up in Britain and all that kind of stuff, 
a lot of them who've never really spent time in Africa or understood how things were see certain things. Yeah. Right? They see it as an Oxford advert. In that way, exactly. What they think about is kids with flies on their mouth and that. And in that way, even us that go around, we talk about it like it's some crap. Yeah. But then again, it's some crap, but you're the one building communities and building organizations in another country. Mm. You're the one intellectually sound enough mm. to take on the opportunity that you were given mm. and work three, four times more than the other person. Mm. Are you getting my point? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like you put down the other side, not embracing it. But then, honestly, if you spoke to an African-American about Africa or where they're from, they tell you, oh, I'm African-American. It's only now everyone's trying to find out where they're really from. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the Afro-Nation the year of return thing, right? To, exactly. Yeah. That's what it is, because now everyone's trying to find out, where am I really from? Mm. Where am I really from? Because if I know my roots, then this issue that's happening wouldn't impact me. So I might be living in America, I might be living in Britain, I might be living in anywhere else in the world, but this issue, I wouldn't take it like I'm a bit lost because I do know where I come from. Uh, do you know what? what you get is people just feel like they're not really sure. You're saying we should be accepted. You know, I don't know anywhere else. Oh, I'm not going there because I don't really see them as part of me. Yeah. Or that place is crap because I've just come from there. And I'm not willing to go there and put the effort I'm putting in here to make it grow. And it's kind of like you're just in the limbo all the time because you're fighting a lot of battles. I agree with you, man. And I feel like that going forward, talking about conclusions or how to move forward from it, that's my one, right? I've been advocating this. I've got American friends, right? And they basically have been echoing the point that you're talking about, which is like almost the black people in America are survivors of war, right? And obviously in war, the history is painted by the victor. And the narrative that is given to them is the narrative of, you know, you guys are the descendants of slaves and those people were patient and were able to overcome and enact social change by progressive protests and all of that sort of stuff. Forgetting that, there is a whole other side to who they are and where they came from, which they're not being exposed to. And that it doesn't have to be their complete history. That's just the history that's told because that's the history of the pain. But I guess my perspective now is, in the way that we've been talking about, I'm done with talking to people about the pain and the plight of black people. I'm done. The only conversation I'm having forward is the success and the growth of black people. Because if I need exactly, to be, bro. if I need to explain my pain to you for you to question whether or not it is valid, I'm already doing myself a disservice. When you look at transgender people, when you look at homosexuals, when you look at people of different re- religious backgrounds, be they Jewish or Islamic or even anywhere else, nobody opens their pain up for discussion. Yeah. You can't question a Jewish person on Holocaust. You can't question a transgendered person on the pain of living in a body that doesn't belong to their gender identity. You cannot question it, but you can question racism. Did he really mean it like that? Are you taking it too far? Are you just playing the race card? Are you crazy, bruv? I'm done with that conversation, yeah? Going forward, as I was trying to illustrate with the um, point about the, the shop where they treated me in a racist fashion, hit them where it hurts, yeah? withdraw the economic support for all of these businesses, enterprises, and industries that want to perpetuate racism? How can Starbucks call the police on two black guys with dreadlocks in their store, just having a conversation? Withdraw your support. Put that money somewhere else. 
preferably a black run and owned business. Yeah. Will they though? That's the no, question. But, but, you get a black person coming to support your business. How many people shout out their black community? In Africa, are people are still trying to get people to patronize their own yeah, 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 yeah. their own brother. And that goes here as well. So yes, you want to take away that economical advantage, but would people really do that? But, you know, and even that are the black people professional enough to conduct themselves in a way where you feel like the service you're getting is worth the money you're getting. So there's so many things going I, on. I agree. Here. I agree with you. But this is part of what I'm considering, right? The point is twofold. Change only comes when you are no longer comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah? Let me let that sit for a second. Mm. Because what that means mm, is, mm. yeah, if we are still going to be in a place where we feel like we can and will and are open to discuss this kind of discrimination and racism going forward, and we're hoping that we're outsourcing the power to the same people who have victimized us to recognize our own humanity mm. and then engage in a conversation about that humanity in a meaningful way with the intention to change themselves. And we're doing that optimistically with no incentive or pressure on them to accept what we're saying. Yeah. Then we need to stop complaining about racism. Yeah, if we're going to outsource it and hope that they come around to it one day, we need to stop complaining about it. Or we need to take tangible action as a whole and take accountability as individuals for the furtherment of the group and say, me as a person, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, And then we need to cooperate with each other. And this is, goes back to your previous point, Dr. Tammy, about black people don't communicate with each other. We don't approach things as a group. We approach things as a silo and hope that everyone's going to understand the implication and then take those steps to move forward in a collective way. We need to say these things expressly. We need to organize. We need to communicate. We need to mobilize. We need to create some kind of strategy that we can all follow on an individual basis and as a group. And then we need to wrap around that some kind of governance, right? And this is why I said in the beginning that I'm kind of Malcolm X-ish about this, isn't it? Because enough is enough. And, and How long are we going to talk about this thing, hoping for change? And the thing is, just to add to that, because uh, I think that we regard um, having a change and a sustainable change. I think, yes, you know, as a, a black community, we do need to band together. We do need to support each other, especially when these experiences are, are out there. But I think also uh, we do need the non-black people to also, you know, come into the conversation as well. Because I think that, you know, as a human you know, race or the human community, we all have to start recognizing the fact that we're all in this one planet together. You know, I think when things like this are being called out, it shouldn't just be the fact that the people who are in pain are the only ones that are crying out. You know, I think that, you know, all the people who may not be in pain should be able to recognize the fact that, you know, the person next to you is in pain and also offer, you know, solidarity and, and join in the conversation. Coincidentally, this morning I was seeing in the news about, you know, some police people in, in, I think, New Jersey and Michigan, you know, joining with protesters, you know, to sort of say, uh -huh. you know, that we are standing in solidarity. And I think that's a, good, a mm -hmm. good thing and a good sign and definitely should be encouraged in terms of, you know, how do we get past this? How do we, you know, get people? Because there's always this thing about credibility, right? You know, and, you know, certain people would look at other things as their indicator of credibility. And I think that when non-Black mm -hmm. people, you know, are also, you know, part of that conversation and standing in solidarity, in a weird kind of way, it does add credibility again 
you know, to the, the issue under discussion uh, that perhaps you know, certain people would not have recognized. I, I agree with you. And I, I saw the same images, right, where you have a line of black protesters and in front of them is a line of white protesters to protect the black protesters from the police, right? Utilizing their privilege to the advantage, right? But I guess the fact that they were able to leverage the privilege in the first place, A, acknowledge that it exists, and B, illustrates the problem that we're talking about. As a human being, it should be enough that a black person can stand and say, this is not okay, and that be acknowledged in and of itself, irrespective of whoever stands with them. I agree with you. We do need to have that unison, that community where everyone bands together and we overcome this thing together collectively. However, protesting for me is too little too late because we're going to have these protests. We're going to burn all these police stations and police cars, and the police are going to look at it and say, well, we weren't able to deal with that protest. We need more money and a greater budget to deal with civil unrest. So instead of police officers having uh, sidearms, all police officers now have automatic rifles in their cars just in case. Do you get it? Because these things, they always go in that one-upmanship type mentality. I feel like if people were going to stand in solidarity, instead of standing at the protest, when George Floyd was on the floor, on his face, and people were screaming, actually, we need to stop this now, instead of just brown people screaming that, the people of, of non-color should have been there too. The police officers who recognized that that might not have been the best course of action should have stood in solidarity too at that time before it became a problem. Because after the fact, it doesn't change anything. No, no. Do you get bro, my perspective? Like, I guess maybe I'm speaking today, from a place speaking of pain. And, and, out, my uh, um, is lifted. No, because honestly, the thing is that you're always trying to be nice. <laughs> you're always trying to be cautious because... You've been brought up with certain values, you know, to treat people with respect, blah, blah. It don't matter if you're black, you're white. That's Those are the values mm-hmm. you're brought up with. But sometimes yeah. when you get into a situation that someone's using that, right, as yeah. a way of just beating you down, mentally, it's a big issue. And this is why you get young black guys always, you know, aggravated. When you're young, right, and you've got a lot of energy, that's the worst time mm-hmm. for you to start feeling, you know, out of place or feeling aggression, like no one's there for you, blah, blah, blah. Do you know what I mean? It's just the worst time you'd want to be feeling that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. that's when you start having to get into groups and doing mm-hmm. things that you shouldn't be doing because you're looking for some kind of like community, some kind of belonging. Do you know what I mean? So for me, going forward, I just mm-hmm. kind of think it's a human race thing, right? If you're living anywhere in the world, the bottom line is we should all respect one another as we should. But in reality, we know that's not going to be the case because human being being a human being, you won't always agree with one another. You're always going to see things differently. But I've always had this thing where I always want to understand the other perception. What is uh-huh. your perception? What's your perspective? Because if I understand it, and I can genuinely tell you this is where it's uh-huh. coming from, and I understand where you're coming from. I might not agree with it, but at least we agree to be respectful, right? But where you have a situation where you got a perception that straight off, you know, the cuff, we know this perception or this perspective is totally wrong, is wrong. It's like saying some, someone says, why did he even take like counterfeit money anyway? So it's fine for him to be like, put down that way and lose his life like straight away what kind of perspective is that do you know what i mean that perspective is wrong from the get-go so it's kind of like you have to get used to challenging this someone like trump he ain't even making it easy he's just making people agitated and just causing so much problem but my conclusion is i'm going to go to the bible and this is the thing for everybody right 
it says, love thy neighbor as you love yourself, right? So if you do love yourself, right, you know you've got to treat someone else the way you'd mm-hmm. like to be treated, isn't it? So at the end of the day, even if you were wrong in a situation, mm-hmm. you probably need to understand what you need to do and what you, what you realize is the repercussion for your action, right? And not knowing fully well that it's got nothing to do with the other person's color. It's the action. We looked at the action. What did you do? You did something mm-hmm. that we don't agree with. And so therefore, this is the consequence of doing stuff. That's it. It's got nothing to do with your background, where you're from, what you look like. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. And you should treat everyone else that way. That's me. Yeah, so, so I, I, I totally agree. Um, and just adding to uh, what Professor X said, I think we should applaud even some of those you know, scenarios where people are um, providing solidarity. I think we still need to applaud that. I think protest mm-hmm. um, is a way of getting more visibility uh, because sometimes if you just depend on what the news says, we all know, you know that sometimes the news can always be skewed. Uh, depending on the perspective of those who are presenting the news. But I think protests, you know, especially when they are peaceful, you know, when they're not, you know, sort of burning down things and, and, and trashing things, I think they do elevate mm-hmm. the visibility so that other people can be drawn to the attention of what's going on there. You know, it's a little bit like, you know, mm-hmm. when there is a sound, you know, people will turn around like, okay, where's that sound coming from? And sometimes mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. in itself is, you know, generates visibility uh, and attention. So I think that's certainly a good thing. But I think it is even more important for us to reflect on ourselves as well, just as Dr. Jaime has been saying, you know, in terms of how we make sure that, you know, we start, you know, treating the actions and not just looking at what's the color of the person. But I know we can say that about ourselves, you know, because we're, we're involved in that, that particular conversation and we're the ones that are directly affected. But it would be interesting if other people who are non-black are also saying that as well, um, because that's the other side mm-hmm. of the fence and uh, where a lot of these things are coming mm-hmm. from. I agree with those sentiments. I guess for me, because of my personal nature, I don't like to talk twice. I don't like to talk too much on particular points, right? And I feel like just as the the whole school shooting scenario has been playing itself out multiple times or the global genocide scenario has been playing itself out multiple times bad things happen everyone is hurt by it people come out and protest and raise voices and then after some time everything dies down and then sometime later history repeats itself because nobody learns the lessons right so for me it's like okay cool where are we going to draw this line in the sand if this is the line let it be the line Let's take some tangible action at this point. And the things I'm advocating for is for philanthropy or altruism as a part of black excellence, right? So you have people like Jay-Z, you have people like Diddy, you have people like Meek Mill, Drake, all of these people coming out and claiming black excellence because they have been excellent at hoarding money, right? Acquiring wealth and holding it onto themselves. When you have people like Akon who received some kind of financial improvement and took that money to Africa, I'm not saying that's what they should be doing, but he took it back to his community and used it to elevate the people in that community. When you elevate the people in a community because they're standing on a higher pedestal, mm-hmm. it gives them the ability to pull up those around them and potentially elevate others, right? And pay that forward. I guess that's what I'm advocating at this point. Globally, 
black people as a whole, whether that be rich celebrities, whether that be affluent business people, and that goes for your dangotes and whoever else, right? If you have access to means, you have the ability and the option to elevate your brothers and sisters around the world. And you can do that in small ways. I think I was thinking about it like there's communities in America alone where Jamie Foxx is out on the street. I'm not saying Jamie Foxx is the richest person in the world, but he has rich friends, right? You can go into Detroit. You can buy up some of these girls in slums. You can make the landlords of these people black landlords who are going to treat them fairly, right? You can put black people in a community where they can elect, if they are in numbers, elect black local officials and, and, and council and government workers so that these people are in positions of influence so that they then can exercise fair influence, not only across brown people, but across the piece because they can see it from both sides, right? If you're not going to take tangible actions, being out in these streets and burning up your own community the same way we did in 2011, it don't change nothing because people will still be out here dying. And next time, we're just going to spend the energy and effort that we have on protests as opposed to tangible change for making tomorrow better for our kids and our kids' kids. Because if our kids are out here in these streets holding up placards and the same it, way that we have that's been, it. we failed. That's it. Big enough facts. said, I think. I've come to the yeah. conclusion. Enough is enough, bro. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So going forward, guys, thank you very much for the conversation. Enough enough. It's been a heavy one. It's been a heavy one. But hey, look, listen, it is what's going on right now. We all have to kind of like be there. I think there's, it's just enough sitting on the fence. Do you know what I mean? You've got to just got to call it what it is. And yeah, we know that not every white person or every Caucasian uh-huh. person is you know evil or racist or anything like that but we can't ignore the fact that it does exist yes man it's been good it's been good as usual yeah we're always having a chat guys it's been very great i just want to say thank you for those that you know subscribe so far please if you have it definitely please subscribe to the podcast on any of the platforms that allow you to do so we can improve and stuff that will be great also yeah. link us up on our social media uh, instagram the puff puff show that will be puff, that, puff that will be great that will be great and until next time the kitchen is open guys make gonna come and chop yeah.